everyone, and welcome to In Conversation, a video series from Shift. Today, our video partner is Bracken Marketing, and we're going to be talking about marketing in the digital health industry. Our guest today is Elliot Miller. He is the managing partner and co-founder of Bracken Marketing. Welcome, Elliot. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, Grace. Happy to be here. Awesome to talk to you. So to get us started, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about Bracken Marketing. Tell us about yourself and and kind of what you do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, We coin ourselves the growth agency for digital health, uh, which means that we use a blend of sales, design, and marketing tactics to grow revenue for digital health businesses. And maybe to put that in more clear context, our mission as a team and as a company is to improve the success of companies whose tech improves health. Um, so I know we're here today talking more about digital health as a category and things going on right now. And uh, you know that really relates to everything from health administration systems to uh, really detailed and complex pieces of tech that help with medical research all the way through to wearables and things of that nature. Awesome. So to put kind of digital health in in context, um, I'd love if you could dive a little bit deeper into, I guess, just the definition. You gave some examples right there, but um, how does digital health differ from health care? Are those two different things? And where does that specific kind of category lie? Yeah, it's a really broad name for a category. Um, I mean, the broadest definition is tech that relates to health. Um, And you can get much more specific with it. There are organizations out there that define it more uh, narrowly as um, tech that actually improves health in some way. I might consider that more digital medicine or digital therapeutics. Um, Really, uh, when I consider it, it's more broadly uh, what tech is to health, health systems and the medical research community as tech and fintech are to the finance industry or as tech and ed tech are to the educational market. Uh, So we're here in the digital health space, if that helps. Uh, It's inclusive of the healthcare industry, um, but it's also inclusive of the life science industry, which is the ecosystem that's more about, um, you know, everything that's going on before a treatment to a patient is in the market, like a lot of the research and stuff as well. So we like to be inclusive of, of all those items. And again, it could be really broad. It could be talking about wearables um, and some slivers of the health and wellness market. Uh, but my specialty and Bracken's specialty is actually more in the medical research community, focusing more on the high regulatory, um, scientific-natured uh, sections within the category. And also, we just really like to uh, thrive in the B2B space in particular. Awesome. And when we talk about the kind of work that you do for your clients, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you identify as a, a marketing agency. So when someone in the digital health space comes to you, what are some of the specific services you provide? Are they... Uh, comparable to what, you know, any other marketing agency might do in terms of website and video and collateral? Like what, uh, what kind of work do you actually do with your clients? Yeah, great question. Um, we do identify as a marketing agency, although, uh, 
I love the, the term growth agency that's becoming more prominent because it speaks to the fact that it's not just marketing, it's sales, it's design, branding, web design, uh, there's even customer service components uh, that all work together with the ultimate goal of revenue growth, right? So it's not just a marketing agency, it's really a blend of sales, web design, and marketing tactics all together. So that could be social media, that could be video content, uh, it could be uh, hands-on sales, it could be building pipeline and talking to people and networking on behalf of our clients, it could be building their websites or going through the creative process of a new logo and all those pieces. And just really with the North Star of thinking about how do those processes and those tactics measurably grow revenue. I'm wondering if you can tell me um, personally, just kind of in the work that you do, if um, you kind of came from the marketing side and identified digital health as a focus, or if you came from the digital health side and then kind of got into marketing. I feel like a lot of people in this industry, um, you know, are maybe marketers first, but this is such a kind of specific industry. Did you start off in healthcare? No, not at all. I started off in, um, well, I started off in e-commerce and then, but spent more time than that in B2B tech, uh, things like software for sales and marketing teams, uh, which I love that whole ecosystem really enjoyed it. Um, and just, almost non-intentionally made the switch from an, a sales analytics company to a, a clinical trial analytics company. It felt like a lot of what I knew about marketing analytics translated before that opportunity. Uh, so no, I came in outside of the industry about four years ago. It's a really, really detailed industry. Um, and you get to work with people who have PhD degrees who have done like 12 more years of school right. than like your typical, you know, than I have yeah. for sure. <laughs> and, um, and scientists and, and you even get some of those rare creatures out there, which are the people that actually under that work in both creative roles and scientific roles. Um, but no, came outside the industry and I've just been learning it. And uh, in the digital health space in particular is, is something that has been gaining steam just as like its own phrase that um, incorporates a lot of this stuff. Incorporates, you know, from a sales and marketing position, incorporates things from B2B tech, um, incorporates things from consumer electronics, and now is bringing it like, more into a healthcare, regular, highly regulated environment. Yeah, and that actually leads into my Next question about the specific um, pain points in the digital health industry. I uh, work in marketing myself, uh, but I work mostly mm -hmm. in the entertainment world. I feel like there are a lot of kind of standard pain points when we talk about um, sales and marketing teams and what they need and what they're worried about. But I can imagine for digital health that that set of needs is maybe entirely different. So are there specific things in your industry that people in my industry might find surprising or unique? This industry typically has sales cycles that can sometimes go over a year long. If you're selling into a big pharma or a big biotech company, a two-year sales cycle is not unheard of. 
which is kind of crazy. But in contrast to completely different industries, um, you know, take e-com or even take really short sales cycle, like business tech, uh, where the sales cycles could be under 30 days, where you have new competitors coming in every quarter by the dozens. Um, so it's a, maybe a slower mover and really long sales cycle market. Not to say that it's not challenging also really challenging to be in the short sales cycle market. But what that means is that it is a different style of marketing altogether. Um, you also have higher contract values. So with those longer sales cycles, um, you, you could be working with businesses where one sale represents uh, 3 million plus contracts. So what kind of, you know, the cost of acquisition, the cost of acquiring a client in that relationship can look just totally different. I think all marketers, Digital marketers, we love to talk SEO. SEO is important in every space. Yeah. This is one of them where you get some niche SEO, which is really interesting. You're not, uh, you're not always concerned about the big keywords that get all the traffic, but like how do you beat this other competitor on this keyword that gets less than 100 hits a month, but it's like really important to your business yeah. that you show up, not the other guy, because those 100 could represent buyers from a three million dollar contract right and just thinking about different mediums i think uh, i mean we're we're doing this via video right now so i think it, it kind of i like the question because it's shedding light like even what we're doing right now video content it's super important in every industry i couldn't really think of a space where you couldn't leverage video in you know consumer focused industries or short sales cycle B2B industries. Um, you might be looking at video for things like Facebook. Um, you might be doing a lot of video, but capturing micro content from the video. Um, so things like taking the audio and turning it into a podcast. Um, the Facebook and the podcast examples, you know, that doesn't really make sense in a high contract value, long sales cycle right. environment. Uh, so we're thinking more in terms of video uh, for LinkedIn, for how do we chop up sound bites from videos and actually put them into emails for sales campaigns and make it like a really specific sales campaign for a certain type of job title. You know, given how important video is across each industry, like, do you see that um, it's driven by like the distribution channel like that industry to industry? And do you think that really changes? The strategy going in the video. There's a couple things here. I think that the industry and the market is changing faster and more frequently than any of us can keep up with. So when we're talking about distribution channels for video content, every person you ask has some new idea about the big new channel where your sector of the market is going to live. Um, and that's another big thing to consider. Who are the people that you're looking for and where, find them where they are. Because if your audience is on TikTok and mine is not, then that will drastically change our different distribution strategies for the videos that we're creating. So I guess my advice would be throw paint at the wall, see what sticks, focus on that but don't be afraid to then kind of go back and recheck, kind of take the temperature again every so often because 
I mean, platforms are popping up left and right, audiences are moving, but numbers don't lie. So if you're able to do some testing and say, cool, we tested these 10 platforms, three of them are working really well for us, great, go for it. And then check again in a few months. <laughs> I think that's a great way to look at it. You have to collect the data, you have to choose what's right. Um, you know, I think what it all comes back to when you're marketing in any space and, you know, you can have lots, lots of places I could go with that. Um, but where I'll say right now is um, a really thoughtful, effective content strategy should take a lot of work, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the nature of being really thoughtful and engaging it, you know, with the detail and, and taking the care with it. Unless you get really, really lucky. Sometimes you get really, really lucky and you stumble upon something that Fair. just works, <laughs> but that should not be your strategy. Not a strategy. Awesome if it happens. Love if that, Love whenever that happens. But to bring this back to the, the industry talk um, and thinking about digital health too, this is, this is a space that's made me think really critically about the, that stuff because um, it, you know, how you connect with people and where they are, like succeeding for our clients looks at how do you do that when it's about a new immuno-oncology development and it's for a chief medical officer, right? Like how do you make that engaging? And how do you make sure that it still has story storytelling and it still has creative, but it still passes all the marks on scientific talk and right. regulatory talk? And so now you get into the situation of needing like really specialized people who understand the marketing strategy and the creative and the scientific and the regulatory and how executives think and the mediums that they read. Um, so yeah, you have to think super critically about that in this space in particular. Yeah. I was actually curious about the um, regulatory side of it because I can imagine that that's a piece of your work that I don't have to deal with and that a lot of people in entertainment don't have to deal with. Are, are regulations in the work that you do um, or specific regulations that your clients have, is that a whole piece of the equation for you? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, I have to get, first off, talking about um, putting content out there, like. It has to speak to regulatory components. Also, we're helping people solve it at the same time. Like a lot of the content that we put out in this space is to help other people who are super educated in the space, but this, just, this stuff is too big for, for one person, how to help these experts think through regulatory hurdles. And how, so absolutely, you can't do much in the space without always considering the regulatory angle. Yeah. And you could take that in uh, a number of different directions, um, you know, building a CRM. Right. Right. I mean, it, it looks fairly similar for most B2B companies and non-regulatory spaces. And then all of a sudden you get into healthcare and does it need to be HIPAA compliant? Right. And um, then you have to build on a certain type of database. Right. I can imagine that like all of us uh, in the last two months, uh, everything has changed. The way we all work has changed. I think um, those of us in the digital space are, are probably luckier than most because 
Um, a lot of our business already takes place online. A lot of our work um, takes place in the digital sphere. We can pretty easily work remotely like we're doing right now. Um, but I guess working in digital health and working kind of healthcare adjacent, have you seen any big changes, like a seismic shift in one, the way that you're working? Um, and if that's changed at all, or if, if everything is just kind of digital before and it's digital now, and there's been not too much of a hiccup, and has the fact that this is a health crisis changed the messaging that you guys are using have your clients been been doing different things what's kind of like post covid work look like for you yeah i would be crazy to try and address it all with, with some sort of single answer i mean this is just a thing that's hit everybody on every level uh it's devastating uh, people's health it's devastating the economy um and God, you could just take any one thing about business and go down that topic. Um, first off, something that does that to me for any industry out there in terms of marketing um, that we've been paying close attention to is the, the, the tone of the marketing. And it seems obvious. That's like crisis response 101, right? Like don't be tone deaf. Don't be opportunistic. Make sure that if you're putting a message out there about something that it's for a reason yeah. and, a, and for the people I work with, I always want it to be a good reason that is valuable to the person that's reading the message or taking the time with it. What that looks like, I think, is a lot more brand marketing than product marketing. And I, I do it in this space, but I've been paying attention to things like car commercials, where I see a big difference between uh, those that are still kind of pushing specific models of cars versus those that are taking this is more just a, a step back from the commercial specific model of the car and more just about the brand and why the brand is here. And yeah, there are definitely elements at which it's still, um, in many cases, the brand marketing isn't done right and is opportunistic. And I could go on that, but um, first off, you have that shift. You need to be less product focused and more brand focused at a time like this. Um, in your marketing mix that looks like doing less bottom of the funnel salesy stuff. And this is really a time to work more on top of the funnel, like awareness stuff, stuff that um, in January, you might not felt like you had any time to do it. Do it now, right? <laughs> like, like take the time with it now, build, do the stuff that's going to make sure that your pipeline, your sales pipeline uh, is way better in Q3 and Q4 than if you had taken that time right now to do those things. And that is things like video content and like answering basic questions about your brand and who they are on your website materials and so forth. So first off, there's, there's that and there's that tone of voice. Um, industry specific, something that jumps out is just the timeline at which everyone's embracing remote and yes, that's the obvious answer to the question, but now consider something like uh, the federal agency, the, the FDA. Think of the yeah. FDA, right? You know, they, they before February had never taken a remote meeting ever. If you wanted to submit to them, you'd prep for weeks and weeks, you'd prep your team, you'd fly everybody out, you, you'd, you'd make it in person, right? And it was just unheard of that you would do something like have a video call with the FDA. And so all of a sudden it's like, okay, 
take that you could take that to the upteenth degree. It's like everyone's embracing remote on this huge timeline um, to the point where teams that it wasn't even on their radar to do things like um, virtual patient visits to administer some sort of procedure or enabling patients to administer their own procedures by shipping them something with really clear directions. Like now all of a sudden you can do a lot more than you could two months ago um, with, with remote and, and in the healthcare space. It's just, we're all still wrapping our head around exactly how this looks. I loved, uh, we talked earlier before this conversation about some of those uh, topics and uh, it really stuck with me. I loved the, the way you were thinking about, you described them as like, buckets of communication, one being, um, oh my God, this is so terrible. Isn't this a terrible time? We're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. And I personally find, you know, it's been about two months. Let's look ahead and let's think about how our brand is going to continue to be here for you two, five, six, twelve 12 months from now. I loved the way that you, you, um, sectioned out those different types of of brand messaging yeah i can speak to this uh i've been picturing really that there's three buckets that people would fall into with this and it's look it's an unpredictable time it's a confusing time no i i don't think any one strategy is wrong like this is a i just have respect for anybody that that comes from a good place who's putting messaging out there that feels right for them, go for it. Um, but you touched on this idea of fatigue and, and it's, it's, I mean, we already saw it weeks ago and by the time people are watching this, like weeks and weeks ago, right? Creating that fatigue, it doesn't really create any value for anybody. And so that's one of the buckets, right? Is just being a brand that consistently says, we're here for you, but without actually demonstrating some sort of value on the topic, the second, and again, nothing wrong with this, I think it's actually quite a good fit for most companies, is what I'd call the flash in the pan bucket. Mm-hmm. That after a crisis response, you have whatever feels appropriate, maybe a month, maybe six months, where you talk about the crisis that's taken place and how it's affected everybody in your space and, you're, and, it's, and it's topical and you're, you're there to help people make sense of it and you have a point of view and that's it. That's your response. And that's that bucket. Um, but the other bucket that I think is more strategic and is, is difficult to do right, um, but is the thoughtful approach for business is like how you kind of harness the energy of your response into a more long-term conversation, right? right? It's, um, you can think of it strategically, like how do you kind of be there for people in a way where it lasts, where you kind of use this as a time to reflect and communicate those values, but like you make sure that it, it is consistent with the story that you're putting out about completely different topics six months from now, a year from now. I don't, a coronavirus, except for things like a crisis response, for most businesses out there, coronavirus itself is not really what I would consider like a content pillar, right? It's not something that you should be messaging about for five, six more years where you're putting out content today and like that's your thing and that's what's sticking. So just think about how this topic is a wrapper 
on top of your other pillars. And I think that's a good way to conceptualize it. Yeah, it's a great framework. Ever since we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, as I'm watching content online, on TV, I, I keep kind of coming back to it in my head thinking like, oh, this is kind of a, a flash in the pan type of marketing or, oh, I see they're really focusing more on the long term. So um, I'm glad we got that in here because I it's really kind of stuck in my head that those buckets and that framework that that you laid out, I think it's a really valuable way for all of us to be thinking about, you know, we can't ignore what's happening. Um, we shouldn't pretend it's not happening, but there are ways we can be talking that still speaks to the person on the other end of the screen, whoever you are, um, in a way that provides value, provides assistance, provides information, and has kind of an eye on the future. Um, I want to just go over one more question with you. Um, it's a question I like to ask of everybody because everyone that we're talking to here is a marketer in, in one way or the other. There's lots of different industries represented uh, in this video mm -hmm. series and lots of different people doing lots of different type of work. But at the end of the day, you're still a brand, you have a company that you're trying to still get in front of your audience and your customers. So internally at Bracken Marketing, what has your response been? What are you guys doing right now to make sure you're still getting in front of those eyeballs that, that you want to be getting in front of? I don't want to have like some grand answer where, where things have changed significantly internally because, um, I'd like to think that there are things that we were already doing, such as just taking care of our people, take, you know, being a team. I'm definitely way more in tune with, um, you know, what that means in a crisis, like, and just encouraging people, like, if you need to take a personal day or things right. are really um, intense or, or what have you, great. Just being a team that kind of fosters that and encourages that. Um, being there for our clients, this is really a time um, to be there, to not, um, uh, to not push on things as much like dollar values, to just, uh, this is a time where we're all trying to figure out how to respond. And I think, you know, we're recording this in May. It's not quite as intense as it was in March. And in March in particular, that was a time where it's just like, especially for my clients, it's just, whatever you need. Like if I need to, you know, work through the night to kind of get this right. thing because you're hustling on this thing because you're fighting for this business that you've been building for years and I'm right there. It's not about a contract that's in place. It's just, that's just what it's about. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that there was some strategy or way that we conduct ourselves that, uh, changed dramatically it just kind of brought like any crisis that's ever going to happen it's going to just kind of remind you of your values and just place even more attention on the more important things that were there the whole time thank you so much for taking the time we've loved having you um and hopefully this is not the last time we'll talk to you and and we'll stay connected awesome i appreciate that this was, this was a lot of fun i'm glad we did it um feels like a really important topic right now whether it's health tech or it's marketing and uh, uh, also, you know, through the process and, and through what you're doing at Shift, constantly learning a lot about video content and distribution for you guys, which is uh, 
you know, as a marketer, something I continue to love to see. And, and uh, I'm excited to see what more you do. Great. Thank you so much, Elliot. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Grace. Take care. Bye-bye.